I would like to welcome you, sir, and thank you for accepting PMS Bazaar's offer to give a interview for our investors for the next uh, financial year. Thank you for being on board, sir. Thank you, Akshara. Happy to be on this show. Yeah. Mr. Anil Bekal, who is the CEO and uh, founder of Right Horizons, has found his interest in this investment industry since age of 17. So that's a very early stage, I must say. Hardly you'll be around 12 or doing 12th grade or something. So what, yes, I was. so what was that conviction point that you had to take this up as a profession, sir? Yes, so of course, uh, first it was an interest, you know, in investments and stuff. Uh, I ended up walking across to a, you know, equity broker office and you know, starting off while I was a student. Uh, and this was, you know, with money that uh, I used to help my mother managing the home finances. A little bit I had, you know, we've saved away. Uh, and, and yes, uh, since then, I think the journey with investments and I realized my passion uh, for, you know, the investment side. Uh, and uh, started investing. Of course, from an early age, you know, uh, I think after taking a broker tip the first time, I decided never to ever take a broker tip again. So I said uh, I should do my research and, and accordingly, you know, actually start investing so that I have only myself to blame if I go wrong or myself to pat on my back if I go right. So, and coming back to where I took it off as a profession because uh, after that, I went on to do my CFA PhDB and I worked at Wipro for about six, seven years. Uh, and uh, there, I always, you know, planned for a retirement and starting something on my own. You know, within 35, I I did that about almost like five years earlier. I started Bright Horizons. It was, uh, you know, where I felt, you know, I'm able to help others achieve their goals, right? Just the way that I was able to achieve mine. And that was the mission to start off Bright Horizons. Uh, so that was more like an entrepreneurship in you. Yes. That, that made you start this. Yes, yes. So, so I like I said, right from the time I started working from day one, I set out a plan for myself. You know, so saying that this is how I'm going to retire and start something of my own. So I guess that entrepreneurial bug was, you know, always there within me. And uh, yeah, I think when the time was right, I said it's a good time to start. So it, this would give uh, people an idea to, to have, a, have a plan for retirement as well. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's important because um, I keep telling people one of the 50% of maybe even achieving it, right, is putting down your plan, visualizing it, right, and 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 then working towards it, right. So and we cannot imagine the you know impact of having a roadmap to what you want to. Do. Yes. No, so, so I think that's very important for people as well. Yes, having a roadmap in life is actually a very useful one, I must say. So, with talking about that, so you are entering a new financial year now. So, yeah. what are your key learnings from the previous financial year that you want to carry to the next financial year? How do you roadmap the next financial year? Let, let me put that straight. Yes, so uh, I think you know you have good years where markets really run up. Okay, and then you have years to test your patience. <laughs> so, this is probably one of them where, um, of course, market, the good part is markets did collapse, like let's say the US, okay, uh, Indian markets at least. Uh, at the same time, it never went up, and uh, it comes to a point where, you know, uh, somebody looks at it 18 months return and said, I've gone nowhere. <laughs> so, so, that's a time where 
with time people get a little frustrated and uh, it's also a period where even for fund managers it's a very challenging time right uh, which is where you'll find a whole lot of uh, underperformance across because some teams that did well in the past uh, you know were not doing continuing to do well so you may have done very well and then suddenly you know uh, it, it begins to hurt you so i guess those are some of the changes that you know how and and that is something that uh, for me i look at market cycles and uh, you know when when i was uncomfortable in you know market with market valuations in almost october in that uh, quarter of october to december 2019 right and uh, so we ended up de-risking because valuations were very high right and so so to some extent uh, uh, it was good for us uh, we were able to see that and and we did so like even when covid came uh, we did sort of uh, you know really well so coming back uh, you know to the learnings i think it's about continuing to uh, be nimble watch markets uh, look at the basics valuations okay and 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 i think it's 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 all about sticking to the basics and and continuing to do so but i think uh, what i like to do always because uh, you know we are very process driven right and uh, and that's also part of i think my wipro stint sort of got that process into me and there is something which i also realized when i studied other funds uh, you know when before we are starting our pms uh, i realized that process you know helps deliver consistent returns so so that is something that we continue to do but i do say let's say a yearly check right to say okay how can i improve this further okay. right so there is those small tweaks around that you know one needs to continue to keep looking at and doing and and anything it's about if you have a bit of a learning attitude uh, i think there's always something to take forward into the next year yes yeah, definitely keep your basics very strong so you need to be in touch with that that's very true words from you sir so moving on about when you talk about those global matters so it's completely volatile and very uncertain and do you think that the impact of the global geopolitical things which is completely uncertain now is going to have effect on our de street and how how do you see that next financial year coming up with us yes yeah, see today maybe it's geopolitical as well and it's as well economic right if you go back and see let's say uh, the us you have a bit of a banking crisis out there okay so so there are a lot of things happening china has its own pains you know uh, europe is in has its own right and and so there there's uh, there's a lot of uh, you know churn happening around this there's a lot of uh, difficult times and inflection points that you know uh, are being seen at a global scale right so so that definitely is is something which uh, has been there as an overhang in fact while sort of uh, the us came down sharply like i said right india was lucky not to uh, you know fall as much and we probably fell down you know among the least out there so 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 that's been a good thing of course i've been a little negative about uh, the us and i continue to be so i think uh, data has shown that whoever is the leader of a decade you know uh, underperforms probably for one or two decades at least okay we saw japan uh, going beyond that two decades china is now in its second decade to the before the us it was the leader So I'm saying, of course, uh, so if I go by that perspective, um, then yes, we have a bit of an issue out there, uh, and it's longer one. Uh, but at the same time, I'm a little, I'm a lot bullish on India, and I'll give you the reason why as well. Because sometimes they say, you know, uh, if US, you know, uh, 
you know catches uh, sneezes you know everybody catches the cold and stuff like that so so that is uh, something which um, you know is some at the back of the mind but but what i believe is there are also these global cycles that play out right so so the us saw a huge leveraging cycle and that sort of also causes the issues that come from it you know in the future now india actually saw that in the last decade right where we saw almost like three to four triple a rated companies go off you know uh, into default grade and stuff like that so and the banks got thrashed for every time they reported npa numbers higher and stuff so so we saw a little bit of a down there uh, you know at the same time now uh, because we saw that in the last decade we probably ready for a leveraging side right so so i think india will do well uh, also when i look at in comparison with others uh, a lot of the policies the frameworks you know now will start come into play so so i think uh, india is likely to do very well for this decade and and one hopes that we will be the leader of this decade uh, so so i am not so concerned with sort of the uh, geopolitical uh, and maybe the global you know financial you know, stuff what is happening but yes uh, if it deepens if it you know some of this goes off into a deeper say banking crisis which impacts the larger banks which one doesn't expect right but for some reason you know it snowballs into something larger then yes uh, we have point to be concerned but prime definitely uh, recently bullish support so very optimistic about india yep that's nice so i just got stuck when you said that when us thesis other and other countries get that catch cold so with that statement if i could relate this uh, our indian rupee had several uh, high i mean low times in previous finan- uh, financial year so against us dollar getting uh, more shutting with other currencies so do you think this trend will follow up or do you think there's a gap Yeah, see, uh, I think the rupee dollar, and especially if we ask any NRI, right, he will say, "Oh, the rupee always depreciates, right?" And and that's that's something that is there on their mind all the time, right? But but actually, if you go back and look at data, uh, it's interesting. You know, right from uh, if you went to two thousand one, two thousand, you know, you found the rupee depreciate, and then uh, post the global crisis, you know, it ended up appreciating. Again, the same thing repeated, and. and if you went back to see that you know after it appreciated we were almost back to you know the 2001 uh, sort of days and stuff like that you know, so so and and again post 2008 there was a bit of an appreciation uh, reasonable appreciation in the sort of rupee before you know uh, we saw the depreciation again so so i'm so i'm saying that wherever there's a global crisis and and uh, there's a global global downturn that we are like we are looking at right now Okay, for the last one year, uh, you would end up seeing that post that uh, the rupee actually appreciates. Okay, and uh, it's interesting. I also track you know some of these uh, closely, and uh, the rupee, if if you look at it, you know almost from uh, for the last uh, six months we are in a range. Okay, we have not gone past eighty three, right? So uh, somewhere you know it felt like we are going to hit eighty five. it went up you know it appreciated again then came back again for two three times it went closer to 83 and 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 it shows that despite a lot of you know uh, global developments despite uh, some of the banking crisis overseas and stuff like that we still you know did not depreciate and we continue to show some bit of strength out there now yes if 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 the rupee say goes above 83 and depreciates beyond that 
then we will see probably a rally. So, so but the point I'm making is uh, the rupee moves in spurts, right? So you'll find suddenly it will move, you know, from 75 to say 83, right? So that's how it will move, and then it will stay there for a long period of time. Then it will appreciate again. That also is a bit of a spurt. Then then possibly you'll see one more depreciation. Uh, but but I think as India's inflation, uh, you know, also comes down relative to other countries, right? So you'll find to find a purchasing power parity, you'll find that our depreciation of the rupee will sort of, uh, continue to come down in the long term. But in the short, but I'm saying in, in this decade, I definitely expect okay, the rupee to actually appreciate. Oh, okay. That was a new, uh, was a new thing to carry today. And when you talk about this uh, Fed, the, the word Fed is uh, threatening investors now, actually. So now, RBI is likely to increase our rate hikes. Again, the rate hikes, rate hikes are going to continue. So, and because inflation is right about the tolerance. Everyone knows that now. So do you think these rate hikes have an end, at least next financial year? Can we expect that? Or do you think it's going to continue? Yes, yeah, so, uh, see, I think like equity markets, the debt markets also, I believe, are predicted. Right. So, and when I'm talking about debt markets, I'm saying, you know, what are the government, say, bond, ten-year government bond yield, for example. You can look at different uh, period points. Okay, but let me say, let's take a ten-year GSEC, which is the most commonly known. Right. So, uh, what is interesting, if you look at, uh, you know, you found yields spike up. Okay, but in the last three months, it, you know, despite the rate hikes by the central bank. Right, uh, both in India as interesting and more interestingly in the U.S. Right, uh, U.S. In fact, almost for six months, it's not even just three months. For six months, uh, you know, you've not found the yields go up despite the central banks increasing interest rates. Right, so and so if if I go by that logic, uh, you know, that the market is always right. Right, and and there's that somehow there's that wisdom to differentiate. Right, so. And uh, so I would believe that also from that aspect, I believe that we are closer to the end. Okay. Uh, also, I think from looking at other th- parameters, like if you look at inflation has cooled off, uh, there is some bit of uncertainty and there's some bit of weakness in the US banking system. Globally as well, there are some bit of jitters. So I think in, in a situation like this, I don't expect global central banks to be very aggressive. Okay. Uh, one must keep in mind, they are always behind the curve, okay. So, which is why you know first uh, the yields spiked and then after that uh, central banks increased rates. Initially, they were, including the US, was uh, saying that no, we are not going to, and we don't think it's going to impact, etc. But uh, subsequently, the Fed did uh, you know uh, increase interest rates substantially. I'm saying similarly. I think from here, I believe we are closer to the end, maybe a point two to five percent here or there. Okay, uh, but from here, at least also looking at the yields and what the debt market is saying, right? Uh, I think we are sort of in a in a good point where possibly, hopefully, interest rates have either peaked or just about peaking. That's a, a whole whole of optimistic view of India. So, yes. so, are you biased or it's a very true opinion from your heart? No, so for me, I look at data, right? And so, uh, and and uh, I look at charts, I look at data. So uh, when I look at it, I, I, I see the rupee, I see where it is, and that's what it's showing, right? Yes, there is a view, uh, which is slightly more emanating from a fundamental side that yes, 
the whole lot of things have happened in a decade you had a deleveraging cycle which happened now you should see a leveraging cycle uh, you know the whole uh, initiatives of the government the digitization the entrepreneurship you know so and if you see again the indian demographics right if you see a lot of the data points we are very very well placed versus others if you see the demographics of most other countries are extremely negative you know right from japan to china to even the us is sort of turning a little now right so so i think we are in a in a sweet spot so if i look at fundamental data as well yes one is bullish uh, and uh, and uh, at the same time i also uh if you saw you know in september to december of 2019 uh we took cash call uh we sort of moved out of financials uh you know into pharma and consumer so we did a lot of things which is why when the covid fall happened you know we were much better off and my view was if it was not covid it was something else because markets sometimes need a reason to correct because you know they were overvalued right so one one is willing to look at it but at a time like this when market already down when uh, and when customers and a lot of investors come to me and are very nervous right i i keep telling them the more uh, nervous you are we are probably closer to the end of the you know down right? so 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 i am a contrarian yes and uh, so but i look at data as well and i don't hesitate to you know also call out a negative cycle right so if i think it is there yes one will come back and also say that Okay. So, with saying that, of course, your India business leader, Super Value Fund, Minerva, uh, India Unreserved, Texicap, all of them have given good alpha in spite yeah. of market being very volatile. So, can you share with us, like, what is the secret mantra that you follow for all these strategies that uh, give it a good alpha? Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, what has been really, really important to us is our process. and a discipline investing cycle right so um, and and at each point of time you know when we think that markets are sort of overvalued we sort of come back in and and pull back uh, even of course uh, on the on certain strategies which give us little bit of flexibility we may uh, without you know churning too much right we may sort of look to manage risk a little more actively out there so so i think uh, what has really worked for us like i said is just our process and being disciplined in what we are doing uh, using quantitative data right uh, to make decisions so see see if i tell you i am bullish about it i have to have and i can give you some eight charts to you know uh, substantiate that right so i have to look at data and and that's true of everybody in the organization and the pms team right we look at data and and take decisions based on data rather than emotions because that then actually you know you're able to make the right decisions and also look at a contrarian you know uh, opportunities because if you see there are two ways one is to you know catch the momentum and you'll probably go at a certain rate but the great gain comes if you are able to catch a contrarian cycle okay so like uh, right horizons into everything large cap small cap multi cap flex cap is right horizons into everything So if investor comes to you at this volatile market and he wants to enter the uh, market so what strategy you would pitch them so if if you tell me if he is entering the market then i'll always be conservative okay. right so so 
Faisal tell him, okay, you know what, we even have a hybrid, you just tell him. <laughs> so, you know, so uh, because our whole point is I want to give the choice to the investor, right? So, uh, and uh, especially that was my perspective myself as an investor. There were points when I actually wanted a pure infrastructure fund, right? But then all the infrastructure funds had everything but infrastructure. Right, because it, infrastructure had a bad cycle, and then you know, even uh, communications and everything else, you know, telecom becomes uh, infrastructure. Right, so, so, so that is something you know, which uh, is we wanted to give uh, you know various options uh, to the clients out there. So, so, what do I suggest for somebody who's really starting out, not even exposed to equities? Then yes, hybrid is always the best way to go. Right, but if you have some exposure to markets. And let me say for a relatively more evolved investor, I would, I definitely would say at this point of time, so contract call again, mid and small caps. Okay. okay. So people will not want to look at them, but but actually so when when we look at relative valuations, again, like I said, we always look at data, right? When you look at relative valuations and look at the chart, right? It, it has come to a point where uh, I think it's time for mid and small caps to actually outperform large caps. Okay, so so that is something which um, I I believe so. But for let's say a stable investor who doesn't want too much of risk, then uh, say we have the flexi cap strategy, which is an all weather one. So you don't have to bother. We will break our head a little bit. Uh, at the same time, we will not go completely extreme to mid and small caps. We will not go completely extreme to large caps. And for evolved investors, like I said, uh, uh, RH super value or even an RH underserved. Uh, super value is a mid and small cap and uh, underserved is a small cap strategy. Okay. So with that we come to the end of this, end of, we have one more question to go, but then we come to the end of the session. So what do you think as the USP of Bright Horizons? That is one uh, differentiate Bright Horizons from other AMCs out there. Yeah, so, so I, uh, like I said, process was, and, and some of those are one of it, but I think it's in how uh, we like to build uh and everything block by block right and we are conservative and and we like to look, keep the client's interest uh, in mind right so uh, an example is uh you know a lot of people you know a lot of uh distribution companies came to me and said why not do an ai right and and we know there was upfronting and so all things like that i said i don't want to do that i don't mind growing slower as an organization right but one wants to do the things right because where we do some of it, it it's at the impact of the client right so so i think what we like to do really like to do is build sort of long-term relationships with the client and create a win-win both for us and our client and i think it will be a little more hard work but i believe there's no reason why both of us cannot make money right and both of us cannot do well together so so i think that's that's a bit of a philosophy that you know we we don't mind you know, going slower, but doing things the right way. So you invest more in the basement than uh, building, you know, because you feel the building should be strong if the basement is strong. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the foundation, as I may say, right? So, in fact, uh, we've taken our old PMS uh, to outside distributors now after almost 12 years. Okay. So it, was, it was a very long, it was a very strong foundation, yes. right? And and it's about because I also wanted to see you know uh, when you're handling other people's money, uh, do it in a block like block scalable way. There's so many learnings that sort of we've got. We know what not to do as much as what to do, 
Okay, so and, and I think that that journey, that learning, I think has helped. I think that that must be the university of pride for us because people uh, will you know you categorize what not to do first and then you do what to do. That that's the biggest uh, university of pride for us. that differentiate it from other aims so thank you for that you've come to the end of the session thank you for giving us time uh, for the uh, interview and this would give an investor a clear picture of how to go about the next promotion thank you yeah thank you akshara it was it was good talking to you and sharing my insights